Well, it's always kind of a challenge when you have to listen to a speaker you don't really know. Um, when you listen to Chris speak every Sunday, he's got a certain amount of authority that he brings because you know him. He's prayed for you. He's been with you through some hard times the past couple of years. Me, you're starting to get to know me because I've been here, but every time you have a conversation with me, I have to chase my kid off the stage or go somewhere else. Um, and that's, that's a reality. But what I want to do today is talk to you about someone we both know, uh, a good God, and, uh, and his way with us. And I pray that, that um, God, you would use me, that you would speak through me, um, and that we, you would be glorified by all that I have to say today. Amen. So, if you want to get to know me, one of the things about me is I like to read a lot. I, uh, if, you're, if you're in the food line later with me and you're trying to have a conversation and you're, we're both there stuck, staring awkward at one another, you can say, hey, so what are you reading? And chances are I will have something to tell you. Now, I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, and I have a degree from Regent, so a lot of that's theology and biblical studies. But I like to read all kinds of stuff, and one of the things that I really like is memoirs and um, autobiography. I really like to hear people's stories and the things that um, they've gone through, um, how they've navigated the world, um, the successes they've made, and and the road to get there, uh, or how they picked their life up after dismal failure, how they've come to faith, maybe sometimes how they've lost their faith. Um, I really like hearing stories about how people come to learn what's important in their life. Um, and I think the best one of these stories always have some sort of meaningful place in them. Um, this could be a uh, childhood home where the, the wood floors creaked when you walked across them and everybody sat around the, the dinner table. It might be a neighborhood full of strange and wonderful people um, with idiosyncrasies. Um, it might be nature. It might be a place where nature flames out and declares that the world is charged with the grandeur of God. Um, but wherever it is, good stories have this place where the person sharing it knows they belong, that they are home, that this is where they were meant to be. Now, the story that Meg just read is not autobiography unless we can think of it as God's story, which it is. But it's also our story, the story of God's people beginning to walk with him. And in this episode, it's Abram's story. Abram, that unlikely saint that we met a couple weeks ago of dubious origins, strange parentage, no children of his own. Um, and here he is, and he finds a place where he belongs, uh, where he's meant to be. The Lord said to Abram, 
Look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and to your seed, your offspring. I wonder if as Abram looked around, that if the dust that was blowing over the hills stung his eyes and he felt a lump of it in his throat. Because the next thing that God says to Abram when he doesn't have a lot left is, I will make your offspring, your seed, like the dust of the earth. If anyone could count the dust, then this dust, then your offspring could be counted. Wow, that sounds pretty incredible. Now, Abram has heard this promise from God. Go to the land where I will show you when he was in Shechem uh, back in chapter 12. Um, we learned that he um, was told by God, you will inherit this land. But here, he's invited to feel it. He's invited to look with his eyes and see, to hear the howl of the wind, to feel the dust that is gathering over the hills and maybe even to taste it. Look around, Abram. This is where you belong. You are home. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. Now, of course we know it's not that easy. Abram doesn't really have the land yet. Um, that will be a long time coming. And even when we get to the end of his story, he's only got the place where he's buried. Um, and he doesn't have any offspring yet. That won't come for a few years, and they certainly won't be as great as the dust of the earth. But here, Abram gets a sense that God is calling him uh, into um, this land, and that he belongs, and he is home, and he gets this first taste of God's promise. It's amazing stuff. But before we get to that, we have some much more mundane reality, and that is conflict. And it's worse than that because it's not even your regular run-of-the-mill conflict where you're butting heads with people in the grocery store or wherever it is that you're going. It's something much more close to home, difficult, and crazy-making. Family. Now, family is a big thing in the Bible. In order to illustrate this, why don't we stand while I read a really one verse from the New Testament ripped out of its context. It has nothing to do with Abram. <laughs> if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even life itself, such a person cannot be my disciple. The word of the Lord. <laughs> All right, you may be seated. That was fun, huh? Maybe we could use that as a regular call to worship. Um, just by a show of hands, has anybody ever said, Jesus, I really want to be your disciple, but could you please just help me hate my mom a little bit more? No? 
That's obviously not what this is talking about. Um, but it's, it's this kind of stark image that Jesus gives. You know, the context of it is that Jesus is telling people the cost of discipleship, what it means to follow after him, and he gives this scandalous image. It's scandalous to us in our culture. I mean, I was raised a conservative evangelical. I've been a stay-at-home dad. I can focus on the family with the best of them, and this is scandalous to me. What is Jesus talking about? What does he have against my mom? What? So what, what Jesus is illustrating here is something a little more like what my Asian-American friends have, have shown me. Um, see, if you have friends that are first-generation, second-generation Asian-Americans, um, they, they have an experience where family is actually everything. I mean, they choose their career path, they choose who they would marry based on what mom and dad would like for their life. Um, that, you know, security and is found in fulfilling expectations, falling into what, what is expected of you. Um, and what Jesus is saying here is something like, follow me, let me set the agenda for your life, not your dad. Commitment to Jesus relativizes all other loves and all other commitments. Jesus is saying what it means to follow him is that your love for him is up here, your love for other things. It's important. I mean, you don't really want to hate your mom and your dad. Anyone who comes from a broken family knows what hate and bitterness does in a family system. Not what Jesus is saying, but what he is saying is commitment to me is much, much more. So, what's this have to do with Abram? Um, Abram lived and worked with a similar sort of family pressure that was exerted in Jesus' time. Um, it's actually significant that if you look back to where we started with Abram, that he isn't really called out until his father dies. Um, then, you know, under the time of the patriarchs, patriarchy rules and the father rules the household and when Terah dies, Abram's free to go. And we are told back in chapter 12 that Abram is told to leave his father's household and Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Hmm. He left his father's household, but he carried some of his father's household with him. Now, the presence of Lot is significant. We're not really told, like, all of why, but it's mentioned here. Um, and actually, our chapter that we just heard read begins with a similar sort of assertion that Abraham, his wife, and all the stuff, they go out and Lot went with them. And when you hear a phrase repeated in the Bible, chances are it's important, it's significant to the, the narrative. So what is this? Now, presence of Lot 
could be significant um, given the culture and family relationships there. Um, Abram is the oldest male relative. He's the head of the family system, actually, now. And he may feel it's his responsibility to care for his young nephew. He also feels the status that comes with caring for his young nephew. And it's possible that Lot represents Abram's first attempt at finding an heir for himself, someone who would inherit his property and carry things on. Now, but at the very least, Lot is part of Abram's old life that he carries with him to the land of promise. Sense of security and continuity with all that he left behind. And on the way, God cares for both of them. They prosper. They have, they each have their flocks, their herds, their tents. It gets so, they're so wealthy and rich that the land cannot support them both. Um, their herds need to graze, their flocks need to be watered. Quarreling breaks out between the hired hands of both Abram and Lot. Now, at this point, probably parting of the company is, is what is inevitable. It's just how it's going to happen. And so, it's significant that um, how this happens is framed by what you read in verse 4 and what you read in verse 14. Um, this vision that Abraham has of God saying he's home, that he's welcomed into the land of promise, this is where it is, Abram. That comes after this conflict, but the conflict comes after Abram prays and calls on the name of the Lord. That kind of frames this. And this conflict comes up, and how Abram does it is different than the story that you heard Chris share last week, where Abram, you know, turns and flees to um, Egypt instead of inhabiting the land. Here, because of basically his faith, He's able to trust God with what God has. And so, when, uh, when he, he, Abraham approaches Lot, his nephew, and he is able to move to be a peacekeeper and squelch any dissension, he says, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between my herders and mine. For we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And all this, Abram was laying his rights down. I mean, remember, he is the head of the family. He has the right to say, hey, look, Lot, that's the good land over there. I'm going to grab it and that's mine, and you take your herders and get the flock out of here. He could have said that. But instead, he says, the land is before you. Choose. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, Lot, for his hope part, 
looks and sees that the plains are well watered like the garden of the Lord and he grabs for the good land. Walter Brueggemann in his survey of land in biblical theology um, talks about how God's people only possess the land um, when they receive it from God as gift. Uh, when they grasp at it, when they try and hold it by their own power or take hold of it, they lose it. By offering Lot his pick of the land, Abraham is acting in faith. Abram, sorry, he's still Abram at this point. He was trusting that God was going to make good on all his promise and provision. And the interesting thing is, had Abram grabbed at the land here, or had he held tightly to Lot as his nephew, really God's promise is in jeopardy, right? Because as long as they're traveling together, who has more claim on the land? Lot, the young nephew that's traveling with him, or, or ancient Abram. Um, but because he's able to trust God and kind of let go of a few things to give some space to uh, let God work and to trust what God is doing, um, then his faith enables him to hear this wonderful words of God. Look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring. The promise is given because he's able to act in faith. So Abram is able to lay his rights down. And as he does... Um, there's a parting of ways between him and Lot. Lot, as you know, ends up in kind of a bad place. He's over there by Sodom. Um, that's going to be troublesome in the next chapter. More troublesome later, but I don't want to give anything away. Um, just bad. Um, so, let me draw out some implications of this for us. I believe as we walk through these stories of the Old Testament, part of this is we're just discovering our, our history as the people of God. God began something new when he called Abram from Haran. It's through Abram that God would raise up a holy people and all the nations of the world would be blessed. His stumbling towards God's promise, of course, meant that one day through his lineage, God would send our Savior, Jesus Christ, who would draw all men onto himself. The faith of Abram, which is evident in this passage, sets the trajectory for God's future blessing. So, in other words, when you sing, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I am one of them, so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. Right arm. Um, <laughs> You are saying, yes, here's somebody who, by what they gave to God, their faith paved the way for God to bless us in Jesus Christ. Um, but this story is not simply just ancient history. It's a, 
The Bible is always a story that invites us in. And I believe when we walk with Abram as he walks to the promised land, we learn what it is to walk with God. Now, Abraham had faith when he set out on his journey, or he wouldn't have gone. But as he walked, his faith grew and starts and stops. Um, there will be more stops, but the, thankfully there's more starts. But along the way, he grows to trust God. When he left Haran, he left his father's house only to carry some of it with him. He had faith for the journey, but still held on to the security of an old, his old life. If God did not deliver on his promise, at least he had Lot and servants and herders to rely on. He was by no means without means. But as he walked with God, trusting his direction, his priorities realigned. Family remained important. We'll see next week that Lot gets himself into some deep kimchi. And Abram goes to save the day. But there's a distancing. Um, Abraham's distancing from Lot meant that Lot no longer felt controlled or constrained him. And it paves the way for God's blessing. Now, like Abram, when we began our walk with God, journeying to the land that he would show us, we clung to parts of our own life. I love this because when I read Jesus' words, as I did, they sound harsh and startling to me. But there's no hint in Abram's story that God rebuked him for bringing Lot along. He just let him figure it out. As he went along, it became evident that that to follow God sometimes meant parting ways with those who had been close to you. Sometimes God is very gentle in letting us figure that out. For me, trusting God isn't very literally looking for the place that he would show me. Um, some of you know I'm... Um, I have an MDiv, and I'm looking for a church job, and nothing is really presenting itself in a way that is compelling, and I know that that's God leading me on. But through kind of this process and this kind of scary process of not having a job, I'm learning to trust and not lean on some of the things that I would lean on, um, where my talents are, my gifts are. Um, thankfully, I do have a supportive family that's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, but it's also not letting family control and constrain, but trusting where God's leading. Um, for you, I'm not going to pretend that I know what this means for you in terms of as you've walked for God, God has revealed 
places where you may have leaned a little more heavily on them, on those things, than him. Um, But as you walk, God very gently walks with you and says, you know what? If you do that, you're entering a world of pain. But if you lean on me and trust me, you can make difficult decisions. You can do things that were hard, leave behind even some of the people that were closest to you and that you cared about so much, and you will know, even in that, the blessings of God and that God is bringing you to the land that he has shown you that you belong, that you are home. God is faithful. And we just need to trust enough to make the hard decisions sometimes and follow him forward. God, thank you for the example of your strange servant Abram and a family squabble that led to a parting of the ways but you gave us an example of what it means to trust you and in it we learned that when we don't lean on the things that we normally want to lean on when we don't have a lot left in our life You are faithful, and you are the God that carries us home. Amen.